Cheese fans, it's another week closer to that postseason run that you've been waiting for. Matt Derrick's here today to talk about how we're going to get there against these Bengals, review what we saw and what we can build from, and then, hey, who's going to be on this roster this week? A lot to talk about. Welcome to Locked On Cheats. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Matt Derek, ChiefsDigest.com's editor, how are you? I am hanging in there, Ryan. It's uh, always a trying days these days. Mm. Tuesday's another trying day. Wednesday, whatever day we're talking. But <laughs> <laughs> Just don't go shopping. This is like the worst we're, week of the year for me. There you go. It's just staying in the home base this week. Right, there you go. Um, a lot of Chiefs are doing that same thing. I don't think they're shopping for anybody new. In fact, I think they're letting a couple of their gifts from last week go at this point. A lot of changes on the roster, right? Yeah, you know, I uh, hope you didn't get too attached to Elliot Fry or a couple of guys in the practice squad because uh, uh, the, the good news of the Chiefs is that I think they're going to have a pretty familiar roster um, heading into Cincinnati this weekend. Um, you know, we're still waiting for Harrison Butker, Rashad Fenton, Tommy Townsend to officially return to the roster. Um, but that should happen. And especially now with the NFL coming out with their new COVID policy, uh, as far as isolation, only going up to five days, everyone but Tommy Townsend's eligible to come back now. Um, Townsend will be eligible on Wednesday. Um, guys can always test out early if, if, Mm -hmm. if they can. Um, and this is if they're asymptomatic, which, you know, we don't really get that information for most of these guys um, until after the fact. But um, right now, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, even in the worst case scenario, the, the Chiefs should have everybody back by Wednesday. It's just a matter of how much practice time they would or get them back by Sunday. It's just a matter of how much practice time they would get this week. Now, Monday night after we recorded, uh, found out what is Bolton and Niang already back, correct? Um, the Chiefs haven't confirmed it officially, but that's, I know, been the discussion and everything. Uh, there has been some confusion with the fact that they were added to the active roster. Um, teams can do that. They doesn't mean that they've cleared the proto- COVID protocols, and Kelsey was in that group, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just the intention with the fact that hoping that they could by Sunday. Um, but Chiefs told us that they weren't going to officially confirm anything in, until Wednesday. Now, you might see things on the website, or there might be things that pop up on social media. Um, they make you wonder, but yeah, we, we, the first word we heard from the Chiefs is that we wouldn't get an update until um, practice and the injury report that comes out on Wednesday. Okay, so we will hold on on, on any conclusions till then, but clearly uh, that's the rumor already with Kelsey. And now with the change, with the CDC making it a five-day quarantine, the NFL adopting that strategy, like you said, everybody should be, back, should be including Kelsey. Uh, I think Fenton and Bolton are, are lower key, but I think just as important this week against the Bengals. We're going to get into them, but what does this do for the future now? The Chiefs have had their their run-in with this this contagion, right? Um, hopefully, as we see these not only testing procedures change, but we see now a good group of this roster has now had COVID and now should be not just vaccinated and boosted, but now have natural immunity on top of that, which as I read from the journals is the medical world's best view of what you can get in terms of protection down the stretch, this makes them a lot more bulletproof towards the playoff run, in my opinion. Does that sound with you? I mean, to a degree. I mean, obviously a good chunk of the of the roster has been on the COVID list. And 
that means they're not going to be tested for the next 90 days. So there's nothing that can get them tripped up as far as um, an asymptomatic case resulting in a positive because you're not going to be tested. Even even with the random testing that the league is now doing um, for vaccinated players and, and, and unvaccinated players will not be tested for 90 days either. So that's, you know, any of this group right now that, that has, has been on the COVID list in December, that's going to take them past the beginning of February. So that'll take them through the end of the year. Now, there's still plenty of Chiefs that have never been on the COVID list. So, mm-hmm. you know, that group is still possible. Um, but I know that, you know, uh, uh, we're, we'll see what the Chiefs end up doing. I mean, I know some teams have have gone to virtual meetings um, to try and make sure that, you know, they just limit, you know, exposure in the building. The NFL still has a lot of rules. I mean, as far as like, you know, you can't have more than like 15 guys in the weight room. They've got to be masked at all times. Um, even the players that are coming back now, when they're coming back after that five-day quarantine, they're going to have to continue to be maxed until 10 days are up. Uh, so the league, even though they're shortening that quarantine, there's still a lot of protocols in place that they're keeping to try and limit the spread. Um, I mean, really, there's just catches just that, you know, for the guys who have not been on COVID reserve, you know, they're still going to be at risk. But once again, because of the NFL's new testing policy of doing random testing and not weekly testing, there's much less likely scenario that asymptomatic vaccinated players are going to start popping up on the COVID list. You know, the guys that are only going to probably go down are going to be those who do have symptoms and get tested and test positive. Well, let's knock on wood that they can avoid the rest of that. I think getting it out of the way here is I, I expect from what I've read also is that this is going to ramp up and, and across the nation. Hopefully that will help them avoid some of that because much better do this now in the last 10 days than 10 days in, in late January or Lord forbid February. So that sets them apart, gives them a leg up. I think we need to get into where they go from here and what that allowed them to find out in a number of different ways, getting on towards the rest of the season. We're going to do that next. No matter what your New Year's resolution is this year, it's about getting fit or getting healthier, whichever you want. Make sure that you enjoy and add Built Bar to your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're incredible in all kinds of different flavors, and they make them even better. Use it as your resolution this year because it takes tastes so good. It takes you so far in what you want to do. It's not chalky or waxy or anything negative. It allows you to get the protein that you need, all the macros that you need, without having to spend a whole lot of calories there and without having to worry about what the ingredients are that you're ingesting. They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they cover all kinds of things, generally around 130 to 150 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein on average, and there's all kinds of flavors for every palate out there, whether it's post-workout or filling in for a meal, you can find something that you want. I personally love all the cookie dough ones as well as uh, the coconut-based flavors. And there's all kinds of new ones always lighting off every week. All you have to do is go to Built.com and use the promo code. You get 15% off of your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for Locked On Network. And that's 15% off of your order at Built.com. So the opportunity, not only for those guys that were on the roster and on the practice squad and got a couple of reps and got... A game check, maybe. Who knows? Good for them. Also good for all the guys who had to play not just new reps, but more reps. Had to be more relied on. A lot of takeaways. They went over them um, after the game uh, in the post-game show. But on reflection, I wanted to get your take on what we saw from a non-wide receiver group. (laughs) And then we'll get to them here in a little bit. 
Yeah, you know, I, I I was really interested in you know, in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs were using a lot of guys out there uh, on defense in particular, a lot of their backups. Um, you know, there was a couple of guys who were really popping. I mean, you know, DiCaprio Boodle, we talked about the other night, obviously led the team in tackles. Um, that was pretty impressive in the limited number of snaps that he ended up having. Um, and the one that was, I thought was really curious is, you know, Dorian O'Daniel, who has just been absolutely buried in the linebacker depth chart and seems as though the chiefs have gone out of their way to give everybody a defensive snap on defense other than Dorian O'Daniel, who's been a core special teams player for three years now. Yep. Uh, but the last year or two has just been struggled to find the field. I thought he had a couple of really nice snaps on, on Sunday. Um, now, whether that's enough to flash to, to, uh, you know, get the chiefs and the coaching staff to say, okay, maybe this guy deserves a little bit more playing time. We'll see, um, but I think that has to give you a little bit of an encouragement that if you're you're think looking towards the postseason and you worry about you know losing anybody else, that hey, oh Daniel, maybe a guy who can contribute if needed. I'd like to see it because we've seen the upside. We've seen him make some plays in very specific situations, but like you said, getting those reps now, if something goes on. I, I think it's a clearer picture. I was I, I thought his evaluation by the coaching staff should have been bolstered by what we saw out there. I thought it was solid. Um, and if they have to go to him in the postseason, I think he's more likely to fill in for somebody like Dan Sorensen than he is like Willie Gay. But at the at the point, you know, he's in that tweener role that gives them a little bit of versatility. Now, folks, we just got news a second or three ago about uh, the passing of John Madden. So just want to take a second to recognize that. Um, it was unexpected as I'm reading. I, I had no idea. And, and Matt, you had seen something on him recently, right? Well, there's a documentary that, that just came out, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But you know, I, I heard that uh, he was looked really good in the documentary, and and, and very healthy, um, and even active. You know, as far as even you know, taking that he was continued to be, a, and I didn't know this that he was still an active participant. And I think the the competition committee um, and talked to Roger Goodell on a, on a regular basis. Um, I mean, you're talking about just one of the giants of the NFL. I mean. Um, regardless, I mean, take your pick over what his influence on the game was as a coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was fantastic. Um, he goes into the, the broadcasting booth and, and changed what really, you know, was how you provided color analysts as in, in a football booth and even in sports in general. I mean, he was led a whole new generation, um, and really changed the way that the game was presented on television, then lending his name to the video game. I mean, how many people does that bring into football? I mean, that's the Madden of our franchise. And I, 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 I was a documentary I saw a while back about, you know, really the, about the Madden game and everything and how, and I remember playing video games before Madden came along. And if anybody here has ever, ever played like Atari 2600 football or <laughs> anything like this, I mean, or even the little Mattel handheld football, you know, the one thing was, is that you never had 11 people in the field. And that was John Madden insisted the EA and said, you know what? It's not football if you don't have 11 guys in the field. you got to figure out how to make it work. And it's because of John Madden that we have the realistic Madden football that we have today. And, and then just, I mean, just the influences he's continued to have over the years on the game. I mean, I, I can't, I'm not sure I can tell you that there's anybody else that's had more of a, a long-term impact on the game of football in the NFL than John Madden. Yeah, I I can't think of it. Other. There's a whole there's whole generations from from kids out there listening right now in high school 
all the way up to millennials that wouldn't know the game near as well if it wasn't for John Madden in whatever form that you ingested his content and his perspective. And uh, I just wanted to take a second to point that out. So he certainly has led to a lot of things that allow us to see the game in a new way. And seeing this particular roster in a new way is what we got to do there. A lot for Pringle and Hardman uh, the other night on the offensive side. I, we didn't talk as much about the running back situation. And clearly with dodging uh, any kind of serious injury to Clyde week to week, quote unquote, we'll see what happens. But where does that leave us with the running back committee that they have in place right now? Who do you expect to get the bulk of the touches should Clyde miss here on another week or three? Yeah, I would certainly think that the likelihood that we see Clyde the rest of the regular seasons pretty slim. I mean, especially if the Chiefs are able to clinch the number one seed this weekend, um, certainly wouldn't be any reason for him to play in week 18. Uh, hey, Chiefs are very comfortable with the two guys right now at the top of the of the rotation with Daryl Williams and Derek Gore. I don't think there's any doubt they'd, they'd be ready to roll into battle with those two guys anytime. Um, uh, I was really been surprised that even when when Gore has come in, that they have left him down in, into some some third down situations. I think that in, in probably more likelihood, you know, in more competitive situations, Daryl's probably going to be the the third down guy consistently. Uh, but Gore's a guy that, that absolutely they feel like can come in and play on first and second down in the very beginning of the game. It doesn't have to be mop up duty. I mean, they like Derek Gore. They've been very impressed, and and we talked about it the other night. I mean that that play that he made with Mahomes, uh, where he read the signal when Mahomes told him to just start running down the field and made that adjustment. That was a veteran move. I mean that tells you right there a lot about Derek Gore's you know savvy. Um, the Chiefs really like him. And, I mean they've been very comfortable with him, and obviously I think he's got a high football IQ. Um, Jarek mm-hmm. McKinnon, uh, Andy Reid's indicated is close. I would be surprised that since he has not returned to practice yet, um, that even if he returned to practice on Wednesday, that he would play on Sunday. It's not usually a method of the Chiefs to do something like that. And, you know, with a guy um, just coming back from an injury. So even if he did practice this week, I put the likelihood of him playing on Sunday somewhat low at this point. Uh, which means I think it's a pretty good chance you might see Elijah McGuire get a, a, a roster elevation from the practice squad on Sunday. Um, he's a guy who's been on and off the practice squad for a couple of years now, um, has got a, plenty of experience in the system. So I, that would not be a problem with him having to get snaps. So, hey, if the Chiefs had to go into these final three games with with Williams and Gore and McGuire as their running back combo, I don't think they'd have any problem with that. I mean, those are three guys that they're comfortable with. I don't think so either, especially with the turn of return of Travis Kelsey, which we, we can expect now at this point. We need to talk about the defense, and that's going to help us roll into looking at the Bengals because I think they're going to be uh, a little bit more under pressure than the opposite here. So we'll get to that coming up after we tell you uh, about our friends here. But I do want to remind you, if you want to get into the Ultimate College Playoff Preview, you can search that. It is its own feed, brand-new podcast, all the Odyssey local experts from around the country – and some uh, draft analysis provided by yours truly. You can get a, a look at all the ball games as well as a bunch of experts. Check that out. Thank you for making us your first listen as well. And you know what? We'll be right back to talk about defense in those Bengals. Now, the defense was up and down. We talked about Dorian Daniel. We talked about DiCaprio Boodle. I, I like both what we saw from them. I also thought that you saw, I, I know Baker got turned around a little bit on that touchdown play, but I thought getting Baker on the field, because when you look at the future here, you see that Baker is one of the guys that's under contract. I mean, if you literally had a list out next to your starters, he's one of them at this point. So getting the younger guys down, the, the fours, the fives that may have to come in, 
Did who stood out to you, and who do you think might be still under the test here coming up this next week? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I mean, the, at that quarterback position, I mean, the Chiefs are, are pretty comfortable up and down the roster. I mean, even like you said, even though that was maybe a bad snap for Baker, um, Chiefs are not concerned about putting him out there and, you know, in some pressure situations. And honestly, I mean, I, I think you see that across the board on 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 the defense. I mean, um, the defensive line is interesting to me because the Chiefs have been going with a pretty short bench of late. Um, they normally like to carry nine or 10 defensive linemen. And lately they've been rolling at eight because, you know, they do have some injuries. You know, Joshua Kando, Colin Saunders have both been on injured reserve. Um, Kando's returned to practice. So, you know, getting him back would at least give you a little bit of depth there. Um, but, uh, you know, once again, I mean, that's a, that's a position where the Chiefs are trust everybody up and down that rotation, you know, on down to Tershawn Gordon and Mike Dana. Those are the guys that have struggled to get snaps lately uh, because the Chiefs have been, you know, uh, going with a little bit more, with, you know, especially with Melvin Ingram coming in. I mean, that, and that's taking up snaps there. And that's been Chris Jones has taken more of the snaps inside. So it's changed the rotation. But those are guys that are that can still play. And, and the Chiefs are, are going to rely on, especially when you get to the postseason. Um, you know, the, safety is an interesting spot. I mean, just simply because, you know, the Chiefs really don't play much further than that three rotation, you know, with Thornhill with Matthew and Sorensen. Um, but hey, Zane Anderson got a little bit of reps the other night. That was, I think, promising. Get Armani Watts back off of a COVID reserve. That'll that'll be, you know, another addition there. Um, unfortunate probably that in a blowout, you know, yeah, a guy like Watts couldn't get some of the snaps there because he could he certainly needs them and everything. But it was good that you got, you know, Anderson got some looks out there. But honestly, I mean, you know, you you look around at all these position groups and the Chiefs are pretty happy with what they've got as a core for those young guys. Which you're right. I mean, it does. If you want to start looking towards 22, there's a pretty good core there. The Chiefs are happy with. I'm looking forward to that. They shouldn't, quote unquote, need them against the Bengals. But the Bengals have a pretty potent passing offense right now. They can run the ball as well. Is there one side of the ball in terms of their offense, run or pass, that, that has you a little bit more concerned from what we've seen from this defense lately? Well, I mean, if the Bengals are going to do anything, it's going to be you know putting up points. Um, they've got a really good trio of, of offensive threats, you know, uh, not just Jamar Chase. I mean, he's chief among them, and I think he's the guy that you have to be the most worried about. But T. Higgins is a thousand yard receiver. Um, Boyd is right up there, too. Um, Joe Mixon is, can absolutely get some things done out of the backfield. So they've got a multi headed monster on offense that you've got to be worried about. Um, I'm really curious to see how the Chiefs will tackle um, Jamar Chase because I think that's the one guy that you've got to be worried about the most. And he spends most of his time lined out wide. So, hey, that's probably going to mean Traveris Ward's on him most of the night. I would assume that anytime that Chase moves inside, that's probably going to be Sneed's responsibility. Um, certainly see those two. It wouldn't surprise me to see Ward travel quite a bit. I mean, I think the, the Chiefs want to make sure that it's not one of the guys like, you know, Hughes or or even Fenton, if he makes it back this week, you know, that doesn't have maybe a lot of his legs back yet, ends up with a lot of snaps. I think that's a that's a matchup that the Bengals would try to attack. Um, but to me, I mean, that's it. I mean, you've got to make sure that that, that Bengals passing game does not get going because you saw last week what happens when it does. You've got to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable you can't let them get free shots downfield. You can't let these guys um, get time to connect. So you got to get pressure on the quarterback. You got to defend. I mean, you got to tackle. You got to do all those things. And I mean, honestly, I mean, I think that the Chiefs can do all that. I don't have a whole lot of concerns. I've got more concerns on the Bengals side of things 
because honestly, they haven't shown the consistency, even over the, the last, say, six to eight weeks, the way the Chiefs defense has shown. Chiefs defense has been a lot more consistent than the Bengals offense has been. Right. I, I completely agree with you. And those big three, Higgins and, and Chase, getting passes from Burrow. I think, obviously, Burrow and Chase had that connection. I think that that's been underrated a little bit more, and then that we're starting to see that really take hold now. But to see Higgins emerge as well, that, that keeps you on your toes on both sides of the ball. I think what they have to not let their guard down against is Mixon. And I think as long as Bolton's back, I think they're perfectly fine in that mix. And if Mixon is the guy that's hurting you, gashing you for, what, six, eight yards a carry or whatever, perfectly fine for Steve Spagnuolo and his plan. The question becomes to me is how are you going to get pressure? And it it all seems stacked on the right-hand side of the offensive line for the Bengals, which means it's Melvin. It's whoever is playing opposite Chris Jones that I think is going to have the best opportunities. And I don't know they're going to have to blitz much, but you could see them using Bolton or Willie Gay as well to try to get some pressure, really rattle Burrow. Do you think that that's possible? Is he past getting rattled at this point? I think it can be done. And and, and certainly if the Chiefs have everybody back this week on, on defense that are at full strength, then that does give Steve Spagnuolo a little bit more opportunities to to do some things because Joe Burrow is still a young quarterback. This is a young Cincinnati defense. And that's one of the things that I think probably fuels the inconsistency more than anything else. And, and I've mentioned this a couple times this week. I mean, I look at the Bengals right now. And you know what? I mean, they remind me a lot of the 2017 Chiefs, you know, as far as a, an offense that can be very explosive, but they've got a lot of young, you know, you know, guys who just haven't matured yet elements in that offense. And as a result, they they come up with perplexing performances. I mean, remember that 2017 Chiefs lost to the Jets, lost to a terrible Giants team. And this Bengals team has done the same thing. I mean, they've they've put up 41 points three times this year. After their first two times, they lost to the Jets, embarrassingly, and they got blown out by the Chargers. Now we're going to see what they do a third time. And I mean, that's why I, I say, I mean, this is, a I think, an opportunity for the Chiefs. You, you attack them. You can make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. You can force him into mistakes. Get pressure on him. Don't let, don't let that offense get into a rhythm. Create some turnovers. And, and I, think you can, I think you can dictate terms on this team. I'm looking forward to it. And, and I have a couple of wrinkles. We're going to go over those on Friday, folks, with Chris and I. Tomorrow he'll give you the inside intel and we'll get... Matt's prediction, maybe we'll throw that in there too. But Matt, thanks for taking the time tonight to get us caught up on everything that's going on out there. As always, Ryan. Take care, everybody. Everyone have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then.